Wakey Wakey Upper East Podcasters. Remember the 1994 Olympics? We kind of do. Kind of. Kind of. I was eight. I was six. Yeah. It was it was a while ago. It was a minute ago, but I'm C. And I'm S. And we're Gossip Girls. Why is she answering? Where is she answering? And who are we? That's a secret we'll never tell. You know you love us. XOXO. This episode, we're going to talk about I Tanya, which featured Man Cakes number one. Uno. Nope. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm gonna die on this hill. Man Cakes number oh, one. God. Uno. <laughs> I love him so much. Cakes <laughs> I cannot. Whatever. Okay, well, I quit this podcast. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Oh. All right, fine. Okay, so it, it, it stars uh, Man Cakes Numero Uno. Yes. Sebastian, Sebastian Stan, who has still not responded to my Instagram DM. God damn it. Stan. So annoying. Stan, why won't you let us stand us? Stan you. So rude. So rude. Um, but yeah. Who is his agent? Let's go stalk his agent. Okay. Let's see. Sebastian. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. No, we're not doing We're this. not actually sorry. I'm just Googling who it is. Sure. For starters, you know, we're going to bookmark it for later. Yeah. You we have the bandwidth to stock. I mean, I'm kind of busy. Yeah. These days. I can't really stock people the way I want to. Okay. Contact info. I have to pay for this. I don't want to do that. Ugh, no, that's okay. Good. All right. That's a commitment so, I don't have time for. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> well, it is Sebastian stands. It is. Like, so. We're investing our <laughs> Yes. <laughs> We're investing our time and money into this. Okay. In a real way. Um, <laughs> so we, both of us watched um, I, Tanya, which had Carter Bazin in it, mm-hmm. Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. Um, and uh, yeah, we're here to talk about that. Yeah. So it is a movie about the life and career um, from the point of view of Tanya Harding. Um, and it kind of like, you know, leads up to the events um prior to the attack on Nancy Kerrigan in the 1994 Olympics. And, and then shortly like, thereafter. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so uh, it stars Margot Ro- Robbie, mm-hmm. Roby, uh, Sebastian Stan as, uh, so Margot Robbie's Tanya Harding. Sebastian Stan is um, her husband at the time, Jeff, Jeff, Gil- Jeff Gillooly. Mm-hmm. And I keep wanting to call it galoo galoo or something like that, which yeah. is not right, but right. like I can't I can't read this word. Yeah. Um Galooly. And Allison Janney plays her mom. Um and yeah. Yeah. So, so Oh, this movie. Yeah, we had we had a lot of thoughts about it. I loved the movie. I was like very emotional during it. Like so when I was I remember like I've always very, very been been into um, Olympic sports. I love Olympic sports. I love the Olympics. I Me love too. figure skating. And I was like, when I was, when this happened, I was like still eight, I was still eight years old and I was like still kind of young, but I remember like hearing about it because I was, um, I was in Dayton, Ohio at the time on a business trip with my dad and like we were watching the Olympics, like my mom and I and my brother in the hotel room and like this, the, the coverage was happening. I was like, what's going on? And it's like one of my first Olympic memories is this and like my second Olympic memory was uh, the 1996 uh, gymnastics dream team. Um, but yeah, I remember this and that's like kind of interesting to me that like, like that's something that's a part of my childhood that I don't think about at all, but like, I remember it happening. Yeah. I kind of have a similar situation. So, um, my sister, 
she is she was a figure skater growing up like she started around age four age five and um practiced until she was um 13 and this was like the very beginning of her getting into it my sister was three at the time mm-hmm. and she like was starting to learn how to skate around then and then she started like actually figure skating when she was four uh-huh. like similar to tanya harding when she started really young and i had, was learning how to figure skate and i could not oh no i felt around my face the very first time and never went back i was like all right and oh scene. i figure skated for like i think two or three years i took classes i can like i can still like skate like forward pretty well i can do backwards i can do like figure eights and shit and like i can sort of spin around but nope. not fast nope. but like um when i was 25 i got laid off from um, my company and my first uh, thought was to go buy a pass to this local skating rink and I went skating every single morning because like it's like you know you know nine o'clock on a Tuesday and like literally no one's there and so I was the only person on like a freshly zamboni ice and I spent so much time skating it's a beautiful moment. when I was 25 that's a beautiful little moment I love that I really like I miss ice skating I like I love being on the ice and I wasn't like you know particularly talented or anything but I just like I liked you know gliding like that it's a it was a fun activity for me. That's awesome. I never had that moment just because, mm-hmm. like, I was I had no kind of like balance whatsoever. Oh, okay. And so I just like was constantly falling and slipping, and also just like scared. Uh huh. And so I never really had that freedom. I'm like my sister, who was able to like really, yeah. you know, just go for it and really like compete. I felt like I thought ice skating. Too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she like, competed for a while. Like I she thought, was. Um, ice skating was a lot like easier than rollerblading for me like balance wise mm-hmm. that's how she felt about it too yeah it's like i felt like rollerblading like i couldn't stop on rollerblades but with like ice skating like i, I felt much more in control of how i was moving yeah i never learned how to, I, I don't know how to like um it's like one of my blind spots in life is like i never learned how to ice skate um rollerblade or um roller skate like okay. i don't have any other, I, can, I can ski and i can snowboard but I can't, oh, I can't do either of those but i can't you know do uh ice skating rollerblading roller skating at yeah all. i can i can even like use a skateboard but i can't use um ice skating whatsoever so like it was like the blind spot and i always felt a little inferior to that mm-hmm. so i think i worshipped figure skating so much when i was a kid because they just looked like angels walking like running around it's the... so cool it's what they so can cool. do it's and, like yeah. i i understand like the like so as i'm saying like I, I feel like ice skating was easier for me than rollerblading like balance wise i still like you know i still fall on the ice when i go on it um I still don't feel like it's easy as walking to me, but like these people, they can like, you know, do triple axles. They can jump up in the air off the ice and then land on one foot perfectly without falling. And that's just like mind blowing to me. Like the amount of time, like I love that people have dreams like this. Exactly. And it's just like the, like the test of the human spirit and test of the human body. And it's really incredible. And it just feels like you're superheroes. And, um, at this point, too, figure skating was so popular. Like, yeah. even off-season, like, even between, you know, huge competition, like, you know, like, Olympic competitions, they were playing almost every weekend yeah. on some channel. Like, it would be, like, golf or football. Oh, my God, I missed figure that. figure competition. And so it was just really fun to watch. And it was a very inventive sport. Like, me and my, my, my parents took me to a couple of figure skating events because I loved it so much mm-hmm. as a kid. And that's what got my sister, younger sister, into it as well. So during this time i was like a baby i was i was six but i have vivid memories of watching 
everything that happened. I remember seeing the trial. I remember the, the, the iconic walk of her, you know, going through with the paparazzi and her in that, that mm-hmm. black turtleneck. I remember the image of that. Yeah. Like watching it live. And the wild thing about this is too, is that like, this is only six months before the OJ Simpson trial. Oh my God. Oh, it was a thing. Cause like it happened like right after that. It was like, like, um, cause, um, the winter Olympics happened like in early 94. And then by that summer, that's when the O.J. Simpson um, white Bronco moment happened. So, like, yeah, like, oh 94 was very intense. And then, of yeah. course, like, the O.J. Simpson trial happened in 95, but, like, all this happened in 94. I remember, I remember the trial of O.J. Simpson. Like, we were watching it in, oh, my God, was that in fifth grade? It must have been, yeah, it was in fifth grade. Um, wait. Fourth grade. You were fourth, in fourth yeah, grade. it was in fourth grade. So I was in second grade. Yeah, so I remember, I remember like, watching it in, like, class. Like, yeah. So it was, yeah. like, really intense and impressive. And... Um, so yeah, that's like, like this, the story was definitely ingrained. My, my mother was obsessed with it. Obsessed yeah. with it. It's like, like, it was such a scandal. It was like, such a scandal because you think at least prim and proper, you know, it's figure skating. Yeah. Like, you don't think it's going to be like someone whacking over, you know, somebody with a crowbar and like break their fucking knee. Like it's intense. Yeah. So, uh, so the, the story it like focuses on um, Tanya Harding's side of it. It doesn't like focus on her relationship with Nancy Kerrigan really. It like focuses on her point of view. And so like it's it's kind of like um, it's one of the like first times I've ever, you know, seen anything with Tanya Harding as the protagonist. So I thought that was really interesting. So like she's portrayed like the protagonist in this, um, where um, like we don't super know what happened. Um like to this day uh if like she was involved with the um with the, the incident the incident yes the incident that's like, what they refer to in the movie uh, as the incident call, yeah so um and like i feel like we're gonna maybe spoil some moments in this movie but so, also like, you should know what happened since this happened in 1994 yeah exactly and it's not like it's not been publicized there's been lots of documentaries about this books yeah. written about it and lots of articles so, like it's a historical biopic it's not really something to be spoiled about it's not a fiction yeah although this is kind of like it's a fictionalized it's a fictionalized for sure. account for sure but there i mean the end result has happened we all know what happened nancy kerrigan and tanya harding competed in the 94 olympics and nancy kerrigan got her knee bashed in by a crowbar with some from some dude and we're not quite sure if tanya harding had anything to do with it It is still up in the air to this day yeah so um let's see so i don't know like we don't really have to go through the plot of it Mm -hmm. like so we start we start out like so alice and jenny plays uh uh harding harding and she's just like her character is fucking wild she's like she's like uh simultaneously a helicopter mother and a hands-off mother and she's just like she's she abuses like she verbally and physically abuses tanya harding and like that kind of like leads into her like relationships later in life with other people and like um seeking out kind of abusive relationships and like I think one of the things that I thought was really like jarring. So like there were, so we like, so her, her husband um, physically abused her. And like, there are many points in the movie where. Tanya's, uh, Tanya's husband. Oh, what did I say? Well, you didn't mention, but like. Oh you, yeah. Sorry. Tanya. Yeah, Tanya's, Tanya's husband um, physically abuses her. And she, she says things like, I thought I deserved it. Like many, many times over and over. And I thought that was like really jarring and heartbreaking yeah. to hear. Like, I, I, like, I, I think the movie does a really good job of like something that I had never done in humanizing Tanya Harding, which like she had always just been like, you know, a character in, um, 
in the like news story to me like she had never been like like it gives like her a backstory and like kind of shows how she became who she was yeah yeah and like and also like with the mother like her relationship with her mother it's oof there's a lot going on there and the thing about we were mentioning about like her being a helicopter mother as well as being um neglectful neglectful you know like she like there was a moment in the movie where she was saying that like you think Sonia and his mother loved best her. when um, Poor she is fucking angry at you. World. Yeah, I didn't stay home making apple brown Bettys. No, I made you a champion, knowing you'd hate me for it. That's the sacrifice a mother makes. I wish I'd had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I didn't like my mother either. So what? I fucking gave you a gift. He cursed me. monster spilled milk baby and so basically she manipulates her, her. She, she like gaslights yeah her thinking that she you know is it comes from an abusive home an unloving home which she is yeah but she creates this narrative so that tanya has something to fight against and rebel against yeah but in doing that she destroys the relationship that she has with her daughter and also destroys any future relationships that tanya might have with other people which is really really heartbreaking it's like a lot of meta fuckery that's happening there a lot of mind games that like destroys her for any kind of like other relationships yeah and so she of course she goes to the first guy or her 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 mother calls it the first idiot who tells you he loves you <laughs> and you you like you fucked um you don't marry them yeah and she ended up with you know this bozo essentially jeff galooey the wedding was nice it made sense at the time okay i mean i could have insurance good benefits all around i mean he had a car plus i was doing six hours a day of practice and competitions while i worked at a hardware store and i ran a forklift and a drill press and i did welding but but now now i could just skate like all the other girls Jeff Galuli, who is, you know, by all accounts, a total moron. Yeah, he like so he also fits that like like stereotype of being like abusive and then like being like sorry, 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 it won't happen again. Yeah, he's like because like, he's because he's weak. Yeah, and that's what happens with like weak men who don't have any kind of like real integrity or security in themselves, mm-hmm. and they see because it, or early on in the the relationship, he was inferior to Tanya's ability to have like something he called her superpower, mm-hmm. which is her ability to skate and have like a passion and a dream, and he really didn't have that. You know, he like finished high school barely and was thinking about going to like college, but mm-hmm. he didn't really have any real steam to do that and go through that you know, go down that path where Tanya was like, I dropped out of school so I can like focus on skating. Yeah. Like she didn't finish high school. She was just going to do this. And that was what she was going to do. She like was born to skate. Yeah. And so like there was this thing that he was missing in his life and he kind of clung all his dreams and aspirations onto her. Yeah. And as soon as she strayed away from him in any way, he 
or know? like even became more like like so dependent. The, and- the, yeah, the thing is like so when she first um like had her first real like recognition in the skating community as a star, um and had like I think the way she said it was like with other people like actually love me. Um, that kind of put her husband into like a tailspin like how dare other people adore you like you're it's not like possessiveness but like the inability to see that other people like care for her and like right you just or, want her to feel that way for sure and like because I, I saw like how he felt like he she would she doesn't need him to be the only source of love in her life and so as soon as he saw yeah. that he ripped her back into put her back put her in her place and say like I'm the only one who can give you any kind of real, you know, love and attention. You know, how dare you stray away from me? Mm-hmm. And it's just another way for him to control her. Yeah. So uh, like, like her mother controlled her. He's controlling her, too. And it's, you know, I I have I'm very conflicted with this movie. I think the performances were incredible. I don't like the movie. I mm-hmm. think and I think the way that they depicted the, the, the domestic violence was. I think to a certain extent, a lot. I mm-hmm. think it's, I mean, I honestly think some of it was like just doing a lot for shock value. I don't think it was like narratively appropriate for some of the violence that was happening. I think that um, it was important for the performances, but not really for the story. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. I'm always kind of on the fence about domestic abuse, um, especially coming from a parental perspective it's always just like mm-hmm. hard for me to handle it's like i don't know how this like sorry i think like the narrative of the story like okay i get this but like i feel like some of it was just like okay this is yeah i think like it, just, I, it, I think it felt it's like really it was kind of like hard to watch that kind of stuff and like yeah. and I, I do think part of it was for shock value but i also think it's like her account and like what what happened to her right and i like but it's, it's also just like it's a fictionalized version of it yeah. to a certain extent and there's this like integral to the plot to a certain mm-hmm. extent there were some parts was like this didn't really need to be included and it happened i think like what it, it happened so often and regularly that like at a certain point it felt like it had lost shock value for me like i was like oh this is just a thing that happens to her but like there's also a point where her mother stabs her accidentally mm. like she she like so her mom is not like besides so she she throws a knife at her in anger and like doesn't expect it to hit her but like it pierces her arm and like that's just like so horrifying to see. Yeah. It's it yeah, it just I don't know. It's like it's so it's so hard to watch that. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It felt I don't like see like on the one hand, I don't want that to be like whitewashed out of the film. Um but on the other hand, I don't want to have to watch that. Yeah, it just, but like I don't know, there's just something about it that just felt a little manipulative in the way. Not manipulative, maybe that's the wrong word, but just I don't know. It just there was something like they sensationalized it in a way mm-hmm. that like made me feel uncomfortable just because like domestic abuse. It just I don't know. It exists, and I'm happy that I'm not happy, but I'm relieved that they were real about it but that it, it got to the point where like it wasn't real anymore it was, yeah it was like, this is just like we're gonna like it was like know, over and over and over, and over again. again like let's punch her again let's break her nose again let's you know give her a gash on her face again let's shoot her like it was just like okay yeah this is a lot so i don't know and i think that there was a nuance removed from the movie that um i i don't know like the whole like gangster element like goodfellas element oh yeah so like the 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 plot that led up to the incident so like the 
I, I didn't actually know this part of the story, but like, so um, Sean Ecker, who is Jeff Gooley's like dumb idiot friend, um, like actually stupid. Um, he and also like, I also believe like mentally ill. Yeah, I think he'll have there's some mental health, um health issues there for sure. Mm-hmm. Like at least some delusion. Oh sure. yeah, for sure delusion. Um, but he like he called in a death threat to the FBI against Tanya, and then. They, and like that like shook her and they were like oh we can manipulate people by like doing this kind of thing so let's call in a death threat to nancy kerrigan to like shake her so she won't be able to compete and so like instead of doing that it like convolutes itself and like somehow becomes an attack on her and like that's how the so he calls his like his guys and like they um that that's how uh, nancy kerrigan gets attacked yeah and also like i think that whole scenario it didn't really emphasize on like what the purpose of shocking nancy kerrigan was or what like the 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 stakes that were it didn't against or the the stakes that tanya needed in order for her to compete because like yeah they talk i about agree the endorsement deals like they didn't talk like there's like a lot of money writing on this like they didn't really go into depth about like what's the point of doing this so like this one girl wouldn't skate like the reason why tanya needed to win this thing so she can get money like she can get like millions of dollars in yeah. endorsements. and i kind of wonder if it's like showing this movie from tanya harding's point of view is to show like she didn't really know what was going on and so like we didn't really see that either because it's not like she, like she didn't her her account didn't have like that information right but i mean like they it was it was her account but it's also um you know jeff's account it was yeah. also her friend's account it was also her mother's account so there was a lot of other people who were involved in yeah this, for at sure least the rendering of this movie and it just i can't pinpoint what why i don't like it it's just mm-hmm. uh, i get uh like again the performance is really good like sebastian stan is incredible in this mm-hmm. movie not just because i love him but, but he was really convincing like i forgot yes. sebastian stan oh my god same and i hated him and it's like oh my god fuck this guy dump him you know burn him shoot him get him arrested and there was moments where she was very close to doing just that yeah um and alice and jenny was very good in the role i don't think she was as good i i think that um as far as like award season stuff like she was great but she wasn't she's like i prefer her performance and i thought she had a better um you know shawn mom performance in uh, drop dead gorgeous which i love that fucking movie <laughs> love drop dead gorgeous anybody who has seen that movie knows that she was great in that movie it was in the late 90s and it was about pageant moms in minnesota is alice and jenny the one that's in that ted mosby movie with the oh god what's it called liberal arts i don't remember i think she's in liberal arts it was a weird movie um i thought um i was just thinking like um i can't remember what i was gonna say never mind but I think the performance is really good, and um, and um, Margaret Robbie, this is like the best performance I've seen her in. I've never seen her in anything else, but she was phenomenal. Like she, She's, like she was such a good actress. Yeah, like she was good in Wolf of Wall Street, and she was good. I, I didn't see her in. Um, suicide squad but i've seen her in a couple other things and she's good but this was definitely by and large her best effort and i think this might have been like one of her like like signature like i think like yeah. this would be like her signature film that she does for at least a little while so so i don't so yeah what i was going to say earlier is like i don't know if this film intended to have nuance because like it also doesn't have nuance in like how it portrays how um like like quote-unquote white trash is viewed in the figure skating community because like it's just again from her viewpoint she's seeing that like people are telling her to be a certain way but she's who she is and she just wants to skate rather than fit the mold of like 
the the cookie cutter and i think we could have seen more about like how um how like figure skating is very like classist and like racist and um like how other like that that that's not what the film focuses on either but like yeah. it touches on it how do i get a fair shot here because i'm up at five every morning working my ass off does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores i deserve this is how it's done some of these girls have paid their dues i don't give a I outskated him today. We also judge on presentation. Well, you know what? If you can come up with $5,000 for a costume for me, then I won't have to make one. Till then, just stay out of my face. Maybe you're just not as good as you think. Maybe you should pick another sport. Suck my Yeah, and I think that's where I kind of like feel bad about it too because there could have been some contrast with the Nancy Kerrigan character too and yeah. really showing that kind of contrast with like you have the white quote unquote white trash of Nancy of a Tanya Harding versus this you know classic classically trained classic you know ideal of what a figure skater should be within Nancy Kerrigan and the fact that they didn't really leave that comparison there kind of felt like yeah, like they didn't do, One-sided. they didn't compare it enough. Like yeah. they like they barely touched on it. Yeah, and just I just I don't know. I feel like this story, um, and it kind of sounds like you wanted it to be like a different movie. plot. Yeah. yeah, I wanted it to be a different movie. Yeah, because like that's... I really really enjoyed watching this movie. I thought it was a really good movie. I thought like everything was like done well. Um, but like, I wasn't like, I didn't need it to be like Nancy versus Tanya. Like, that's not the movie that I was expecting. And I, and, and I knew that going into that, but I think like for such a long time, I wanted that movie uh-huh. and this is the movie that I got. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, okay. You had an opportunity to do <laughs> something really good and you didn't. So that's kind of how I feel about the movie. It's like, I wish it was something it wasn't, but the performances <laughs> in the film that, um, were there were really good and I I think you should watch the movie I think you should go I see it I think it's very good and if you love Sebastian Stan you might not like him here but he puts a really good performance and he definitely deserved the Golden Globe nomination he got um, mm-hmm. this um this past week of recording this episode uh, it was a couple of days ago so uh yeah that is our little review of I Tanya. it's in theaters now and it's go nominated it. for a bunch of stuff so um yeah Margaret Ruby she may not be winning her award but she's nominated for a bunch she's nominated for a Golden Globe she's nominated for a SAG and she's doing really well so congratulations on that and uh we'll be back Sebastian Stan if you want to be on our podcast we want to have you on our podcast yes you don't have to be on there for like two minutes just say like hi my name is Sebastian Stan actually this is Sebastian Stan right now I'm just him he's possessing my body right now oh my god that's so weird I can see it happening yeah oh my god I'm growing a stash right now um why would you do that? I don't know. Anyway, he has a st- mustache, right? Yeah, or maybe. Yeah, he does. Okay. In great. this, yeah, he did. Oh my god, that picture of him wearing that velvet blazer, the Golden Globe, so good. Oh, I'm, so everything should be velvet. Agreed. Like he said. So on that note, we'll be back after these messages. This episode of Gossip Girl is sponsored by Backblaze Online Backup. It's a simple way to back up all your movies, photos, music, videos, and all your other data for just $5 a month. It's simple, and you can access all your data online from wherever you are. Try it absolutely free by going to backblaze.com cpc. Now, back to the show. So, should we talk about music first? Yeah, let's do some music. Okay, so this movie had, like, so this is... 
This is my second favorite recent soundtrack that came out after Gardens of the Galaxy Volume One. Nice. I listened to it like this entire week because I like I love eighties music and like it's the I best. guess early nineties music, but like this I don't I didn't know a lot of these or I didn't know what a lot of these songs were called, but like when they were playing, I felt like they just went so well with what was happening in um in the movie. I thought like the music um choices were really well done and mm-hmm. like when i i cried at this movie because like i got like you know like i was expecting not this or i wasn't expecting anything out of this movie and i like you know i was drawn to tanya harding's character and i was like i want her to be able to compete and like when are she, you a, are you a tanya truther now? i'm a tanya truther yes <laughs> join that club, join that club. <laughs> we don't know what happened and i don't think like she should have been kicked out for yeah, like i, definitely I don't know don't. like that mo- that moment in the movie i broke like my fucking heart. started crying broke in the theater heart. when the oh chains the, the chain was like uh, playing at that point and i was like oh my back, god yeah. it's so good. so good but like the the entire soundtrack is very good um there's there's a lot of other songs that super are super tramp yeah <laughs> super tramp uh, on Vogue, I guess. Uh, there's there's a lot of uh, fun stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. And then Heart, obviously. My least favorite song by Heart is Barracuda, but... I do love Barracuda. I, I love the Ooh, rest of their songs. Barracuda. I love that song. Yeah, that's my least favorite Heart song. I mean, <laughs> totally, but it's a good song. Though. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Like, I mean, Heart makes some pretty bangers. Yeah. They make some bangers. Like, They're bops. Know, yeah, they are. They are bops. Cher show. calls every song a bop now. <laughs> It's good. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Every song is a bop. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Um, so, fashion. Fashion. Turn to the left. Fashion. Turn, turn to the right. right. Ooh. Fashion. That's it? That's it. It's oh. a short version. Okay. Short episode. Yeah. So this movie had a lot of fur. So it was they like did. late 80s, early 90s fashion. Amazing. A so lot of fur. fur. So like there was a point where uh, her dad shoots a bunch of squirrels and then her mom makes a fur coat out of it. Um, that was really interesting. Um, all I thought all the um, the ice skating outfits were really well done and like ex- they were exactly the same as what they had um, how they had actually been. But like the rest of the fashion was really good. Like her her day to day like weird nineties clothes. I really liked them. Yeah, definitely like thrifted clothes. Yeah. I think like her style matches my current style very well, and I think that's why I like the fashion. Are you a Tanya lot. Harding? No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't. I'm not that good at anything. Aww. Womp womp. Making Twitter jokes? I'm yeah. not even that good at that. Like, sometimes I just fall flat. <laughs> I try to do a triple axel and suddenly I'm flat on my face. Yikes. <laughs> um, Alice Janney's character of the mom, like, when they were doing her um, interviews, she's wearing this fur coat and, mm. like, her fur coat also has a bird on it who is her sixth husband. And I thought that was just, like, so weird. Such a strange. Just, like, what? What's happening? And, the, and like, the best part is to, like, they have, like, archival videos at the end of the movie. Yeah. And- the, the bird on the shoulder was a real thing. It's real. Uh, let's see. Any other fashion moments? Um, I don't think I had any other fashion moments. Low tech, low tech. So many. Oh my god, so much low. No one had phones. No one had anything. Like mm-hmm. you, is, nah, yeah. you. Somehow people knew where people lived and how to call them. Like uh, Jeff is like the first time Tanya dumps him. Jeff is like repeatedly calling her. And he somehow has her number. Like, where did he get it? Who knows? Mm-hmm. You can, like, go places and people can still follow you. My favorite moment of Otek Lotek has to be the moment where um, he's trying to call her. 
and he ha- and he's at his best friend Sean's house, and he has his mo- has Sean's mother redial the number over and over again yeah. from the basement, and they have like, this long extension cord, oh, it's but so it's not funny. a cordless phone. So like he like it is like a rotary phone that they like, dial the number over and over and over. He's again. like, Mom, can you dial that again? Mom, can you dial it again? Yeah, and it's and because they're fighting, and she's like hanging up, on, and Tanya's constantly hanging up on her husband. Yeah, and it's just a moment of beautiful old love to Otek Lotek. It's like oh, oh that was God. so beautiful. So. I loved it because like that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, it'll never happen again. Um, stray observations about this movie. I mean, I guess I can't really have any stray observations because it's like it's like a one. There's one like there's there's so many there's so many there's so much that happened in this movie. I really really loved it. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about the coach a little bit. So the Tanya, her, oh, Tanya's the coach. coach. Tanya had two coaches. She had one that trained her from the time she was like four. Th- through most of her teens and early 20s yeah and then she had one when she competed in 91 and then she went back to her original coach uh, for the 94 olympics and yeah. i think the 94 the, the her first coach the one that she had the longest was kind of like a mother figure to some certain extent but she was very standoffish and never really like let herself be the mother figure mm-hmm. that tiny actually needed in her yeah, life very true and I think that also was something that really broke my heart because mm-hmm. I know that, you know, obviously she saw the relationship that she was having with her mother and uh, Tanya had with her mother and how, like, Tanya needed somebody to, like, kind yeah. of be that rock for her, in, especially with the relationship she had with her husband. And, like, someone needed to reach out to Tanya and give her a hand. And she kind of did. Like, after they found out that there was going to be a 1994 Olympics, she, like, showed up where Tanya was working as a waitress. Exactly. And said, and, like, let's get in shape. Yeah. And, and she, so she she helped her with that. And I think she kind of does, like, fill that role for a minute. For a minute. But, like, at that point, like, it felt, like, a little too late. Yeah. Um, I, let's see. What else? I had, oh, I had a story observation. Why didn't I write it down? It was... I can't remember what it was. Oh, I do have another thing about like uh, there's a moment in the movie where like I personally kind of like annoyed just because of like narrative. I know mm-hmm. again it wasn't. Um, anyway, so like in the whole narrative of this, this, not in the movie, but like in actual what happened is like Nancy Kerrigan ended up getting silver. Uh huh. But you know everyone. The, like there's a there's a kind of moment where she's like standing on the the uh the pillars or whatever the the i forgot what they call that the little stat the little the, stands. yeah oh yeah the little stands and she's like kind of like looking like pissed off and is the reason had- why she looks pissed off is because the gold was a 16 year old oxana bayul oh my god and after all this shit she gets her knee bashed in she has like this huge comeback moment and you know it's supposed to be like tanya versus harding versus kerrigan you know like all this all this lead up and both of them didn't get the gold yeah and nancy was the closest to getting the gold she got silver but she like tanya didn't in place so like all this shit yeah all this shit went down and nancy didn't even get the gold this little 16-year-old Oxana Bayul who's, like, basically leaping around, like, yeah, look at me, look at me. She's the one that got the gold. <laughs> and I think that is the most incredible irony of the entire fucking story. Oh and I God. was pissed as fuck they didn't bring that up. I was like, that's the that's a thing. That's the moneymaker right there. That could have totally changed the entire facet of the movie. It's like, after all this bullshit went down, nobody won the gold. Yeah. 
Like that would have changed at least the course of the movie for me, at least for narrative narrative reasons. And I was kind of pissed they didn't bring that up. Like, yeah, missed the best part though. <laughs> this is the funniest, weirdest part of the whole fucking thing. And this is not something you can make up. This actually happened. This is ironic. This is hilarious. <laughs> and I was pissed about that. And then I was, like there yeah. was like so. Uh, Christy Yamaguchi won the bronze, but like when they were panning over the the winners, they completely stands, ignored they, like, them. She did. She like they didn't even show her face. They, like, didn't show Bayou, they showed her. They showed her hair, and I was like, no Asians, okay, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. So um, on that note, yeah, uh, how would you rate the movie? I would give this movie. I would give this movie a ten. It's like I don't know. I loved it. Like I I I felt like. Um, it like I didn't ha- have any expectations going into it. Like I, like sort of knew it was about Tanya Harding, but like I didn't know if it was a documentary or mm-hmm. if it was like, you know, you know, a, f- a completely fiction thing. And like um, it, bl- it blew me away. Like I, I laughed at it, I cried at it, it made me feel a bunch of things. That's that, awesome. Um, and like I, I love those movies. When yeah, like, like it, it pulled me in. Yeah, it like I was just like in it. Yeah, so I. I'd give it a really high rating. That's awesome. I will give it a seven. I think, like, I again, I think the, strong, the performance is really strong. And unlike you, I have, like, a lot of baggage with the story. Just yeah. Like, I was, I read books about it. And I've mm-hmm. seen documentaries about it. Like, I was obsessed with this story for a long time. And I think for such a long time, I was kind of harboring a, a, a different take on the movie. And the take that we got was not, it would not be what I would choose. Mm-hmm. But I think for what it is, I think the performances were unbelievable. So, seven for me. So, on that note... That is the episode of the Short Dispatch of Gossip Girls. Want to give a shout out to Post Launas, our collective, which are shows hosted by people of color, women, and queer identified hosts. You learn about them at postlaunas.com. Want to give a huge shout out to Chicago Podcast Co-op and our sponsor this week, Backblaze. Um, thank you, Cards Against Humanity, for the space and their equipment. Uh, you can follow me at Share Musings. Me at Kale Hummus. You can follow the show at Gossip Girls Pod or like us on Facebook. And uh, slide us and slide into our DMs. We love that DMs for sure. Uh, you can um, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, literally anywhere you can find podcasts. You can find us um, and. Send us emails. We like to hear your thoughts about what you think about the show. If you want us to review more movies from Gossip Girls cast members, send in your request. You can go to Gossip or Girls. Less. <laughs> Just <laughs> kidding. We're not going to do less. <laughs> or you can you can go to Gossip Girls Podcast at gmail.com to send those in. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Gossip Girl. Yes. Until then, you, you know, know you love, love us. XOXO. Gossip Girls. Post loud. Audio.